Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Yo Mama. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome to The Pestle. Today's episode is brought to you by Slurm. It's fizzy. It's highly addictive. It's Slurm. Welcome to the Pestle, everyone. This is Wes and Todd, and this is a show where we like to try to break down movies, not only review it and talk about it. And in today's case, the Big Lebowski will probably quote a lot, but we also <laughs> like to look for insights and somehow into the movie making process. And if you don't like spoilers, this is the point where we tell you turn this off and go watch the movie if you haven't, and also climb out from under your rock because this uh, everyone should have seen this movie by now. Absolutely, I think though it's it's also the kind of movie that probably a lot of people. If you haven't seen it by now, it's, oh, you probably yeah, it's, it's probably not, ruined. You're just like screw that, man. I people quote it. I'm kind of tired of it before even having yeah. seen it. But the good thing about it is that you don't really know. It's it's really hard to reveal what it's about because That's there's true. there's a lot of twists and you can't really spoil of, the plot. What, what is it? There's a lot of right. ins and outs, man. There's a lot of. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's a very it's complicated hard. case. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to to <laughs> ruin it necessarily, but there are some twists and stuff. So who do we have here? Who's that third voice? That is the oh. that is Scott Graham, who's our he is our um, our co host for the evening. Howdy. Yes, uh, Scott is a musician and an actor, and um, all around amazing. Amazing dude. Andy's oh. a writer. Very, and a writer. Oh. And very talented yeah, I guess man. I do that. Super talented. But also a huge dude fan. <laughs> <laughs> he lo- he's a huge fan of dudes. We- <laughs> <laughs> Touche. That's what he said. We selected this one on his uh, behest, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so great call. Uh, today we're, gosh, we're, to give you the rundown, I know we're definitely going to talk about the Coen brothers, uh, the human comedy as Sam Elliott calls it at the end of the film and probably a lot of quoting. I have some technical stuff, but the Coen brothers are tough, man. They're a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you've seen any other movies that they've done, like, you know, burn before burn after reading or, you know, um, Fargo or wherever. It's similar similar to burn after reading in the sense of like, when it's over, you're like, Whoa, what did I just watch? (laughs) (laughs) Why is it over right now? And they even like tie it up. Like, like, well, we won't do that again. Whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Yeah. So good, man. Oh, it's excellent. Cool. Well, let me give you the synopsis real fast. Uh, the dude, quote unquote, Lebowski, mistaken for a millionaire Lebowski, seeks restitution for his ruined rug and enlists his bowling buddies to help get it. It's written and directed by the Coen brothers, starring Jeff Bridges as the dude, John Goodman as Walter, Steve Buscemi as Donnie, uh, Julian Moore as Maud, uh, John Turturro as the Jesus, <laughs> as well as uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Peter Stormare, Flea, and the ever-present Tara Reid. I believe those guys are... We dropped off the damn money. We? I. The royal we. You know, the editorial, I dropped off the money exactly as per... Look. Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light, and, you know, has it ever occurred to you that uh, instead of uh, 
you know, running around uh, uh, blaming me, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, it, it, this could be a, a, a lot more... Uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Uh, okay, when we watched that, the first thing that I said after it was, there's no way they wrote that. There's, there has to be ad-libbed. And then, Scott, you said... The, yeah, apparently every movie the Coen brothers write, it's word for word, and every actor has to say every word, or they'll make you redo it. So, I don't oh know. That's what I yeah. hear. I mean, something like that had to be kind of hard to do if yeah. it's got to be exact, right? But he's, it's seamless. It's like perfect, <laughs> which makes you think like, like you know... They're pretty. They're pretty good writers. They really <laughs> they write for reality. That you know? whole exchange. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And I can only imagine them sitting in the room together, uh, just quoting this outrageous stuff. Like, hold on, let me finish this line. <laughs> are you on Google Docs? Okay, you ready? <laughs> <laughs> what in God's name are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but all like the stuttering and the re- repetition of like the ums and the uhs and the, yeah. uh, you know, like, and the repetition itself was. Driving me crazy. I was trying oh, to yeah. find some meaning out of it, uh, and maybe <laughs> that's the fool's are. errand. But yeah. they have so many lines that they just repeat themselves. Sometimes there's a guy, Sam Elliott, you know, mm. narrating. Sometimes there's a guy. Um, <laughs> strong men also cry. Mm-hmm. Her life is in your hands. He's a good man and thorough. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the money, Lebowski? Which the nihilists say, but also. Later on, the dude says to the other Lebowski, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the dude abides. Like, there's just that's probably only a sliver of all the times that they repeat themselves. Yeah, um, and I was just scratching my head, like, what, what does it mean? <laughs> It's yeah, a double rainbow. What the, does it mean? The dude is like very. He's he's guilty of that more than anybody. He repeats stuff like constant it drives me crazy almost because <laughs> i'm i'm very much like okay get to the point you, you got to understand this dude do you not understand this yet and he's just like he just doesn't quite get it because he's high all the time yeah. or maybe he's just a little slow but he you know and and so he'll repeat stuff like when he's talking to julianne moore at some point and she'll say something he's and he'll just repeat what she said i'm like you don't understand what she just said? Why well, you have to repeat it like you don't understand it? Come on, dude. Well, he'll, he'll also take different um, lines that people will say and say it in like a few scenes later yes. and totally mess it up. Like, oh. the parlance of our time. Yeah. <laughs> and completely like misquote it and the other character just looks at him like, what? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Tries to, he tries to use like stuff that other people have have said or like in the very beginning when he's writing the the 911 check at the Ralphs that's, oh, that's a whole other that? story well, that well I don't mean there's a whole conspiracy with so in the the intro when he's writing the check for the milk 69 cents the half and half excuse me for 69 cents <laughs> yes uh it's dated his check is dated uh, 911 September 11th while he's watching a clip of George Bush senior uh, giving a speech about this aggression will not stand, oh. uh, which I think was more of his um, his New World Order speech that oh, he gave right, yeah. back in the day, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, blah blah blah. So there's a whole thing. And about then he that. repeats, "This aggression will not stand." Yeah. So man. he repeats that later. <laughs> this will not stand, man. This aggression. Will- yeah, exactly. When he's when he's meeting with the Big Lebowski. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. At yes. Some point, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> That's so, amazing because this film, just to be clear, was released in like '98. 
Right. Oh. So this was years before 9-11. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So they didn't intentionally like, oh, yeah, yeah we're, I mean, maybe they were calling their shot, but uh, maybe uh, they were just making their own little commentary about we need help. <laughs> or maybe it's like totally random. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's like <laughs> The Simpsons, man. That's uh, true. You do enough stuff, eventually something lands significant. So, so, <laughs> president. I, I f- so what would you rate this film out of 10? I mean, man, for me, it's, it's got to be a 10. I mean, it's probably my first, if not second favorite movie yeah. of all time. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. I, I like, I love this movie. Don't get me wrong, but I'd probably rate it like a seven. Um, I think it's really entertaining and it's really funny. It's, it does drive me a little batty. Like you get to the end and Sam Elliott says as much like there's no way to wrap it up because none of the loose ends tie up. Yeah. Really at all. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. And so there's no big arc. There's nothing that really makes me say, yeah, this is two hours that, you know, I can visualize in my head in in a meaningful way. But that doesn't mean it's a wasted two hours, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, I guess for okay. me, it's a seven out of ten. All right. Yeah. Good. I, I would I would be in between you guys. I'd say probably an eight. So I I love this movie. <laughs> there's like, you know, there's a handful of movies that will go down time. Like, this is probably like um, the lowest rated timeless film we'll ever see right, <laughs> right there's sure. no like there's no uh there's no way people are going to forget the big lebowski like that is there's it, way mm. too quotable um you love the characters way too much even walter who's a total a-hole <laughs> the entire time you love donnie so much because he just like gets walked on and he's totally fine and i was saying when we were watching it, it, it it's the easiest money super shemmy <laughs> ever made yeah. he's got like 20 lines in the whole film right. yeah because normally he's like a motor mouth and all the yeah Coen like other movies he yeah just won't shut up yeah and this uh, one he does reservoir never dogs i mean dude he's yeah. like the whole time yeah he's brilliant in that film but uh, yeah so i would give it i would give it an eight because it's just so timeless and it's so quotable and hilarious and anytime that you quote it you're just you know you get brings a smile to your face mm-hmm. um it seemed like a pretty basic film to make. Like, yeah, it, like you know, the, the, when he's when he gets knocked out or he passes out from being drugged with mm. you know, in his dream world, the acid flashbacks. Yeah, the acid flashbacks exactly, <laughs> which he addresses is. in the film. Yeah. Um, but I think that's pretty much really like the extent of like the the craziness of their movie making. It's just all in the writing and then the story. I mean, most of the Coen Brothers movies, it seems. I need to really keep watching the rest of them with, you know, my notepad in hand. But it, this one, there's a lot of deep depth of field, like the focal depth is really deep throughout the film, yeah. um, especially, you know, in the opening, you have the tumbleweed and the desert opening. And throughout the film, most of this is is really deep. And what was interesting and killing me throughout the film was trying to figure out what it is trying to be from moment to moment. It felt like it was just turning because comedy lighting is going to be really bright very deep depth of field and then you you know a third of the way in it has this dramatic turn that first dramatic turn where he gets invited back over to the Lebowski's house and he enters that smoking room and you have a suddenly everything's lit by fire Um, it's fire lighting the opera music is going you have Mm. this low angle dolly pulling back as Lebowski and Philip Seymour Hoffman are entering the room and it's just very dramatic and suddenly everything's changed right we've gone from this bright lighting to this 
pretty contrasty hard lighting. It's orange. Um, and they do it again later on. And then after that scene, it kind of cuts back to the comedy. Like, <laughs> yeah, it cuts to Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah, it cuts like, to Jesus. And then after that, you have it again with the sex cult on the beach. Uh, there's right. fire lighting again. It's in slow motion. Uh, the music, it's not quite opera, but it's playing in that field a little bit throughout the film. And then later on, you have the private eye. And suddenly it kind of switches to noir lighting. <laughs> you have these really long shadows and it's lamppost lighting. And the guy, the, the private eye uh, himself is wearing, you know, all the cliche private eye shtick. And yeah. so throughout the film, I'm just like, what are, what are we right now? <laughs> and I think it might just play right back into the whole idea that it's a human comedy and it's incorporating all of these archetypes or just types I mean, you have the uh, the feminist when she makes her intro, right? Julianne Moore. Oh my gosh. Maud. Uh, she makes her intro flying naked <laughs> and above, <laughs> creating art. Um, <laughs> but even her second and third entrances, entrances, uh, she's upside down. She's above him. Uh, she's usually inverted too, uh, because he's on his back and he's looking up, and it just kind of keeps happening that way with her. And it feels like he's making a comment about. Uh, feminism, maybe just being above and beyond, or the dude himself, right, is a pacifist, as he says. Uh, he's broke with nothing. He's lazy. He's kind of representing all the things that you might say. Well, if you're not fighting for something, then what do you have? You know, which is nothing, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. right. uh, then you also have the nihilists, right? They're in their black clothes and they believe in nothing. The they they're staring into the abyss or what have you. But then. It, Kind of gets a little more difficult because then what are we saying in this case, uh, John Goodman and Steve Buscemi are. And the best I could come up with is maybe they're a, the dialogue of our national conscience. Um, we have the conservative right being John Goodman, who can't stop talking about war and uh, doing whatever he wants to do. And then you have the liberal left who are just pushovers and you're like, I want to like you guys, but you never stand up and. You're not paying attention or to the whatever. I mean, you can make all these arguments uh, about what they represent. And then you have the capitalist fat cat, uh, the rich Lebowski, right? Who's he is. a He's literally a fat cat. I mean, not mm. a cat, literally, but uh, he's in his big house with all his money. He he fakes like, yeah, I'm trying to save my wife, but I'm not actually going to try to help her. Right. Uh, he's just feigning, you know, making all these feigning attempts. Um and he's wheelchair bound. Maybe he's crippled himself from getting too big. I don't know. And you could probably keep going down. Like, what does Bunny represent or Bonnie? Uh, that's her real name, right? Is Bonnie, and she's pretending to be Bunny. I don't that's know. A good question. I, there's a lot of things I don't understand about yeah. this film. I just feel like these guys are above me. I can't quite pick out exactly what they're saying or trying to do. I probably need another four or five watches and. <laughs> So I feel like some weed. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need the latter. Um, I feel like, and, and see w what you think about this. In listening to what you're just saying, I kind of had a like a, a thought. Please, <laughs> what if, what if the arc of the story is the arc of being the dude, like chill, because the dude changes throughout this whole film, mm -hmm. right? Um, being like the chill dude into this he's you know like having to use his brain and figure stuff out and like do things and go places and you know do stuff other than bowling and like you know whatever and then 
in the end, he's back to the dude. And he's the dude abides, you know? Like, he just, it, it's, so, and there are a couple of moments where you see that he's a different dude. Like when he's at Jackie Tree, Treehorns, and Jackie, or, and Jackie writes something on the notepad, gets a call, and then he walks away. The dude is proactive True. in this, in this shot. He gets up off, off the couch, off his ass and goes over to the, the, the pad and scratches. It's like, he's smart. It's, that's like a smart thought. He scratches and it obviously is nothing. It's, you know, like <laughs> a dude with a, a boner, dude with a boner <laughs> that he drew. Uh, but and then, and then having the foresight to rip off that page that he scribbled and put it in his pocket too. Like, you know, he was actually smart about that. And then he figured out that the big Lebowski gave him a ringer. Mm, he true. was one that realized that he used his brain and like, actually like figure something out. Whereas before he would never have done that. He wouldn't have even cared, you know? So maybe the arc is the dude to like a n- non I, I, to like yeah, a, a nor- a, more normal, I don't know, a like fish out of water kind of situation yeah. where someone is trying or making an effort to become something else, and and then he's just back to work. the dude, yeah. you know. I, I think know. him, like when he first started out, like he was a, he was a smart guy, like he went to college and uh, oh yeah, he, talks he was about a writer, yeah, like right. he was a part of like a writing group, and like he was he was an intellectual man, but just smoked way too much. <laughs> <laughs> whatever weed and more so it's a caution story about yeah. smoking too much weed nah, well not just weed as <laughs> he did a lot of acid too apparently uh, yeah. he, keeps oh, having, right. he, he has yeah. a lot of flashbacks throughout the the story oh, yeah good point but i always go back to the very beginning during the um the, the intro monologue where it shows the tumbleweed mm-hmm. and it's just tumbling around just yeah. very free form and i feel like that's kind of what the dude is he's just very dude, yes. easy going yes. just goes with the flow i have that written down as like you know, that has to be something that's yeah. so, that, just like totally every right. scene. He's just kind of tumbling along wherever the wind blows him. Mm-hmm. That's whatever totally whatever happens. He yeah. just has to like accept it and figure out how to do it. Even though he's usually stoned at the time, <laughs> it's difficult for him because <laughs> he's, yeah, he has become a very complacent, chill, apathetic kind of guy. Um, but now is just wants to get his rug back and yeah. trying to figure out, how to do that. Wow. And keeps that's, getting yeah. tossed around. Like I totally agree weed. with that. No, that's a perfect insight. That's absolutely. Cause I, I was struggling too. I was like, what are we doing? And I just forgot to come back to it. And then when I looked at my notes, I was like, yeah, what is the tumbleweed again? I think that's perfect. It makes complete sense. You have, uh, the tumbleweed starting out in the desert and it gets kind of blown into the city, into the life and into mm-hmm. yeah. a place that is out of its element, Donnie. Um, <laughs> and that's totally Lebowski, right? Uh, yeah, I have nothing smart yeah. to add to that. So, <laughs> um, what do you, I? Okay, I have, I have this question. Um, probably one of the s- most serious scenes in this film to me is towards the end when Donnie misses his strike. Yeah, what? That's what do you think that that symbolized? I, like, because it, it got real serious in that moment where he was just like, yeah. like he couldn't believe that. I mean, I just thought it was just like a little foreshadowing because obviously yeah. later that scene is when he has his heart attack. Right, yeah. But um, that was the scene he has the heart attack? Is mm-hmm. it right after that when they leave? Is that? I believe okay. so. All right. I, th- okay. I thought so. Yeah, no, that makes was sense. That, I think um, so too. Because earlier we also have the, uh, after the the fake exchange, right, where they're supposed to drop the money off and mm-hmm. uh, Walter talks him out of it, well, forces him out of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> 
What's amazing is they cut back to the uh, to the bowling alley, and you have this wide angle shot of the three of them bowling. Yes, and it's nice because I mean the the focal depth is really deep; it's all bright, but everything is it's off. Right? We have the phone ringing. We have this God's eye view, and it's like they're not getting away with it. Yeah, <laughs> they know they're not getting away with it. Yeah, um, and it ju- you just feel the omniscience of these characters looking down on yeah. on the dude because he mm-hmm. he knows better and well, he felt better you can see him freaking out yeah, yeah. he's and, holding his phone just like zombified just like and i love we're screwed that walter it just does not give yeah. a crap at all he just he's just like oh i'm just gonna bowl like it's normal and yeah. he goes and bowls and sits down and he acts like like nothing happened well know? he's so set in his mind that it's all a fake that bunny captured herself, you yeah. know, like what the dude just kind of threw out there. Just, yeah, he just his half baked idea was like, well, maybe it was this, but it's suddenly fact, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly. Walter's like, well, that's fact. I mean, what else you could it be? You just said it, dude. You said <laughs> yeah, it yourself. He said it. <laughs> Which is funny. Cause that ends up being what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So like pretty much every the, little the thought or yeah. Thing that the dude mm-hmm. has is truth. It's truth. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he's like spot on every time. And it's interesting because bunny, there's a thread in here too that I just can't quite put together. I mean, I feel like most of this movie is me one step behind <laughs> the Cohen brothers. All the mistaken identities that happen throughout the film, uh, starting with Lebowski himself, right? Mm. The only reason he gets pulled in is because they mistake him for the other Lebowski. Yeah. Uh, later on, you have the, the cars getting the car that gets trashed, you know, see what happens, Larry, when you <laughs> mess with a stranger in the movie. <laughs> well played. And then you have uh, bunny herself who gets, is effectively being mistaken, you know, her toe, right. Is mm-hmm. being mistaken as her and as she's been kidnapped, but also she herself fakes her identity in order to, to run away. Uh, at least that's the way it played out to me. I don't know if that's actually the way it's playing out or if I'm just, working really hard taking notes and missing bits and pieces of story uh but it just seems like throughout the movie you're constantly running through all these mistaken identities and people not quite making out what's happening so it's much like burn after reading i guess there's just a collection of characters who don't know what the hell is going on mm-hmm. and you don't think this was just like like a stream of consciousness writing on, on the Cohen brothers. <laughs> like we're, we're sitting here trying to analyze it and really they're just like, they're laughing. Like this doesn't mean anything. You guys, you know, right. I mean, I know there's some musicians that write like that, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just words, like whatever, you know, I mean, there is a film like that. If you go and watch, uh, Lars von Trier, uh, not melancholia. Um, that's going to bother me. Coffee beans in the South America. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, so what made you uh, want to choose this film, Scott? Um, well, I mean, obviously, you know the film and stuff and you like it, but. Yeah, I mean, well, originally, I think we were going to do Amadeus, right? Which maybe for another day. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Um, we'll get to it yeah. for sure. That is, yeah, by far probably my favorite movie. But. 1984 Best Picture winner. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing stuff there. What? Amadeus. 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 Oh, it won Best Picture? Yeah. It won like eight awards. It was just like it swept that year. Um, Anyway, go on and on about that one. But uh, 
I don't know. This has just always been one of my favorites. It's like, it's a movie that I can pick up any scene and just immediately I'm there. I'm invested. I'm in it. Yeah. And I laugh like a full hard heart, wholehearted laugh. Like, yeah. We were like, laughing pretty hard it. last night. I love it. it love every yeah. scene. All three of us were, yeah. <laughs> it might be one of those movies where like, you're not supposed to sit down with a pat, pencil and paper. Right. You're, you're, yeah. you're supposed to sit down with a J and a beer <laughs> and, you know, and just like kind of soak it in. Maybe a bit, a bit of both. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, man. I just like, I'm always I'm, like very much a, well, obviously a story guy, but I'm also a character guy. Like I love characters mm. and strong characters. And I feel like every character in this movie is just perfect. Like, like you can tell yeah. each one has had a past and you can tell like where they're going to go. And like after this movie, like, I don't know, they're just, everyone's set up so perfectly. I think a lot of Coen brother comedy comes out of the, the absurd, right? And you're taking the absurd seriously throughout the film. All these ridiculous things keep happening. Um, but no one's really winking at the camera. You're, you feel like all the characters to us look absurd to them. This is just life and this is reality and they're they're trying to deal with it the best they can. Um, but it's perfectly reasonable that you have these nihilists running about uh, trying to extort money from people. And also just as fine for a guy to go to great lengths to recover his rug. Mm. It brought the room together. You know? <laughs> yes. Tied the room. It tied really the room tied together. the room together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just this <laughs> sense of arrested development with a lot of their characters in including in this film. Um, but it just seems to be one of their calling cards. I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers who take this on writer directors. Uh, Wes Anderson is probably a really good example of someone who likes to just create these overgrown children and Mm -hmm. let them clash with each other. But throughout this film, everyone is just yelling at Lebowski for, (laughs) and it's just, Great, because the contrast of him being this really calm, chill guy, it's almost like he's pissing them off even more for being calm and chill. Uh, And on its face, it's like, yeah, there's no real reason to yell at this guy. He's just being cool. Um, But that contrast makes it that much more funny. And a lot of, I mean, for everyone else, this isn't the case, but it felt like for the dude that he was just letting the words do the work. Like he had his character and he would just kind of say the words and they would just land the way they landed. Whereas John Goodman, right? He is just jumping up and down on that string. (laughs) Time bomb. Yeah. He might be my favorite character. Yeah. I mean, he makes this film like you have to have Walter in this film for it to be digestible. He's just, I mean, he, I, I love, I love, and I hate the, the, the way he treats Donnie. I love it and I hate it because I love Donnie, right. but I love that he treats him like total garbage the whole time. And yeah. he, and he <laughs> anytime he says anything, shut the F up, Donnie. And for no apparent reason. Too. No, yeah. Like right. no reason. He and just, why like, does Donnie keep hanging out with him? <laughs> yeah. when he's just constantly getting yelled at by Walter? Oh, cause he's just a sweetheart and these are his friends, you know? And every uh, time he wanted to know, like. Yeah, but what about this? Donnie, the world does not start and stop. <laughs> he's just always just like a couple steps behind. Yeah. Poor guy. It's, it's, he's the antithesis of the dude, right? 
Mm. Right. So you have the dude who like, you know, he's nice to Donnie. Right. And he's just totally chill. And you've got Walter who's just like this, just over the top, crazy. I mean, the, the first scene where we see Walter, I think it's the first scene where we see Walter. He pulls a gun on the guy in the, in the, in the bowling alley. Is it the first scene? Uh, second, but yes. Second scene? Okay. Close. Close. Uh, <laughs> and, and you're like, okay, uh, this is the, this is the kind of guy <laughs> that we're dealing with. All right. So he's the, I think he's more the antagonist in this film than anybody else. Cause oh, like if he, if, true. if he hadn't gotten in the car, if he hadn't said he wanted to go with the dude to drop off the money, mm-hmm. you know, the dude would have dropped off the, the brief, the right briefcase, even though it was a ringer anyway, he, instead of Walter mm-hmm. dropping off Definitely. the ringer, you know? Well, even in the first scene that Walter is in, it's when the dude is telling them about, the rug being pissed on. Oh, and yeah, and he's Walter like, the whole time was just like stoking the just, fire, just like yeah, they pissed on your rug, they pissed on your rug. <laughs> yeah, like this getting Lebowski riled guy, up. Like, and then, go to this Lebowski guy. Yeah, ins- well, and ins- you slowly you see the dude who is a very calm dude start to get riled up, and it's like F and A, man, that's my rug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so yeah, and so, then everything that goes wrong, well, most of the stuff that goes wrong is because of him. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because if, if Walter isn't the antagonist, then you got a lot of other antagonists, right? So, but if you got to pick one, maybe him. I think I think that's really good, and yeah. it's that much harder when it's your friend that's yeah. the antagonist. Like, <laughs> oh, how do you man. defeat that enemy when you're trying to be on the same side? <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd be that'd be an interesting um, thing to look into, just like for you know, devil's advocate. If mm-hmm. Walter wasn't in the car with the dude, and the dude threw out the original ringer. Which had no money in it. Like, what would the story have been? Yeah, how does that affect the rest of the because chain so, of events? So the nihilist would have gotten the original ringer with right. no money in it. The dude wouldn't have gotten his money because the big Lebowski was gonna stiff him anyway. Right. So, so yeah. I mean, so really, Walter ooh. being there helped the dude technically. Interesting. Yeah, as far as results right. matter. Yeah, because that led to other things that mm-hmm. perpetuated it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, what a tangled web we weave oh, when weaving things. <laughs> what I also love, uh, there's a compositing scene, right? That first time he gets knocked out, uh, there's such poor compositing and lighting whenever he's flying around that his little acid flash. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, and it's perfect, right? Because it's, it's a comedy and it just kind of enhances the idea that this is a comedy by making sure you're aware he's not actually flying and we know he's not flying. You know, he's not flying. The, uh, the city is lit with this kind of blue light and he's lit with this lamp orange lighting, you know? Uh, and then just the texture itself isn't really playing well. He's clearly hanging from suspension, you know, Mm -hmm. ropes. And I just love that. They're completely not trying to take themselves too seriously in this moment. We're going to indicate everything as opposed to later on whenever he is having another flashback and he's doing all the crazy song and dance, the whole music number, Hmm. uh, which is incredible. (laughs) But it ends with, is this composite? Are we really in the street right now with all these cars zooming by? Yeah. And I think that was a, it felt like it was split down the middle. Like some of it was composited. And then the final scene with the cop walking up was obviously not. Right. Um, but it was, it really, they really 
showed their technical chops by blending and blurring that line quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because as an audience member, suddenly you go from this crazy thing to wait, is this happening right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh crap. He's in jail. <laughs> right. Which is what the dude is thinking too. Like, where am I? Right. What is happening? Exactly. You're completely empathetic in experiencing what the dude himself is going through. And what I love about that, whenever he, he goes, uh, from the sex cult, right. To drugged, that moment he spills his drink, which he didn't do throughout the rest of the film. Like when he gets thrown into the car earlier, he doesn't spill his drink. Everything's fine. Everything is in order. And this is a very common movie trope, especially if you go into pre 2000, that's used ad nauseum. Uh, the whole, someone spills their drink and it breaks. Uh, now everything is going crazy. Chaos is ensuing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very common thing. I guarantee you watch any film that has a, a drink that suddenly spills and you watch it in a close-up. Everything after that is your inciting incident. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And everything that's going to propel the rest of the film forward. And in this, it felt almost like a little bit of a wink um, because at that point he's drugged and that's whenever uh, he has his flashback and he gets picked up by the cops and then you're sitting in the room with the cops, and what I love is the end of that scene. Uh, he gets hit with a cup in the head, and he falls over, and it's mimicking the spilled drink. And I feel like the Coen <laughs> brothers are just kind of throwing that uh, back throwing at, yeah, at filmmaker tropes. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. See that. These guys are just... It's really hard, man, to figure out what the hell they're doing. As a filmmaker, yeah. you're like... I'm going out of my mind. You know, but it's it's one of those things, and we've talked about it before. I think we talked about it in, like a couple of weeks ago or whatever, but it you know you you go to you go to a museum and you see a painting of a red dot on a white canvas on a wall and you're thinking what what the heck is that? Is that art? You know, like I could do that. And then the answer is but you didn't. You know, and somebody else did. <clears throat> and it could be like a case of that where it's like what just happened here? I don't know. I'm glad it happened. I enjoy it, but I think I could do that, you know? And maybe the real brilliance is, is in the casting. I mean, they clearly know what they want. Yes. And maybe they could just grab any, you know, 10 bodies and make a great film. But in this case, they cast exquisitely right from Peter Stormare being the nihilist, um, who I don't know if he had a big career before this, but I definitely am aware of him after that. And Julian Fargo Moore, right before that. Yeah. Yeah. But before Coen brothers, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe own... he, he might've been around for, you know, 30 years. Dodd's boot for all yeah. I know. Um, do they a... do their own casting or did they, do you think that they had like Goodman in mind for Walter or, you know, or I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they probably had a casting agent, you know, but for sure, for, for the some of these, film, you know, uh, but. S- smaller bit parts, <clears throat> but I mean, to find, you know, Tara Reed, I'm sure it was just, we're going to have to go through the casting. Yeah. Situation. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I think that that's makes not a knock to you, sense. Tara. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> but whenever you're casting a bit part and you want a new face an unknown, uh, to add an extra layer of, are we going to see this character again? Are we not? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the, always going to be the brilliance of casting unknowns is you create an element of unknown around them. Whereas, you know, you're going to see John Goodman a lot. You know, you're going to see Steve Buscemi a lot. And so by casting these well-known faces, it, 
you always expect to see more of this person. And there's a way to play against that. But for the most part, filmmakers say, well, we're paying top dollar for this actor. We're going to freaking we're use them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then let's, let's all address the elephant in the room. Philip Seymour Hoffman oh, and his awesome. epic performance in this film. Yes. I, I just loved him so hard in this film. I wanted to see him <laughs> way more than yeah. I did. Uh, he's a great nerd. So uh, what did he do before this? Cause if this was 80, 89, uh, 98. So no. Twister. Oh, 98. Yeah. Twister. Twister oh, was, was before this. Yeah. Yeah. So Twister was way before this. Okay. Yeah. But he was still playing <clears throat> that parts. Yeah. And that was, was Twister's first big film. <sighs> Maybe. Okay. Maybe I'll he's the kind of actor that's probably He's probably been a lot. Yeah, just a lot of these small things here and there until finally exploding with I don't know what his big turn would be. Well, as, I'll I'll find that. I'll yeah. Because when I think of Philip Seymour Hoffman coming up, I definitely think of something like The Savages, which was an indie film, but was his film. Um mm. and even before then he had some other great roles, but Mission Impossible Three was probably a, a oh yeah a he's really a bad big guy. one yeah because that's playing a character he never got to play but even at that point he was still really really effective uh, known as far as yeah. celebrity yeah. goes yeah so he was in Boogie Nights a year before that <sighs> yes and Twister before that The Yearling in '94 yeah. Boogie Nights is a great like mm-hmm. we need to do that movie yeah yeah oh, <laughs> PTA and so yeah I don't know if he ever had a breakout it was just boogie nights would definitely be the one that you say oh hollywood wants this guy around i mean twister was his introduction to the rest of the uh america but the filmmaking community probably really took Mm -hmm. took note of after Mm -hmm. boogie nights we're going to use this guy this guy's got something and from there it's just there's an interesting route with hollywood whenever you're proving yourself because it's it's an expensive thing to make a movie and they're not just always going to gamble hardly ever gamble on a new name a new face if you don't have some kind of history have you done 20 episodes of you know law and order something Mm -hmm. um, that shows you're stable you show up you're reliable and you're going to perform consistently they want to be able to know that they can count on you and so having that resume helps whenever you finally get to have your lead your lead moment because otherwise you just kind of make it yourself. I mean, even Goodwill Hunting, you know, Matt Damon had been around. He'd been making other movies. Uh, go look at Courage Under Fire. And he lost just an really? ungodly amount of weight for this role because he was so committed to the part. But he was still fighting to get that leading man vibe. And so that's why he ended up, you know, him and Ben Affleck uh, created their own film in order to make it happen. And so... It's hard. You have to prove yourself. And, and, and that's how you do it is by taking these bit parts, these smaller roles, uh, quote unquote. I mean, the adage is there are no small roles, um, but there are. There, yes, are, there you, are. You have fewer lines. You have less screen time. That's yeah. just the definition of a smaller role, yeah. even though your impact can still be very, very large. And watching Philip Seymour Hoffman in this film, you're just completely believing his over-the-top nice guy I'm trying to – not offend anybody and you know i'm smiling i'm laughing even to, to try to ease the the tension mm-hmm. <laughs> that i'm feeling right now yeah. <laughs> because there's no one else is feeling his tension his laugh when she says i'll suck your for a thousand dollars how wonderful <laughs> just 
This We're all very is, fond of her. Yeah, so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And he's always like as broken up as Lebowski is, as the big Lebowski is. Like just totally broken up. <laughs> like when they're sitting in the in the limo and the big Lebowski says uh, says we're we're very upset or I'm very upset and he goes his Phil Seymour Hoffman's like we are yes we are very upset yeah. just repeats him he's almost like the parrot on the big Lebowski yes. shoulder he's just like absolutely just repeats anything he says he is the parrot this is our concern dude uh, this is our yes but yet he's the only one he he calls the dude the dude whereas the Lebowski calls him oh bum right. or whatever never calls him the dude yes which is what the dude wants but somehow philip seymour hoffman always refers to him as, he's very as respectful he is that's true yeah always yeah, calls yeah. him dude yeah <laughs> he's always taking the temperature of whatever's happening from moment to moment and he yeah. may not be a silver-tongued guy that he can make anything he wants to happen happen but he's always very conscious of the moment and even whenever he's leaving all those voicemails uh, for or answering machine machine messages <laughs> for the dude, right? right? He he makes the comments like, I assume you're avoiding or hesitating to reach back out to me because of the rug. I assure you you can keep it. We're fine yeah. with that. Yes. Right, right. We have another urgent matter for you. Yeah. <laughs> And then the next scene, cut to the dude is with him. Like yeah. he got his way. It was just it took a little while, and he had to feel out the situation. And he's very, very present. <laughs> yes, hmm. so good. Painfully oh my so. Gosh. Uh, any uh, any thoughts to walk away from this film? Other than <laughs> any, everyone should watch this. Yeah. Right. Right. If at you haven't once. watched it before, you need to you need to watch it at least once. Uh, and I I I really think that. Mo, uh, nine out of ten people probably would would watch this and and enjoy it. Even it's a good popcorn film, mm. right? Just make some popcorn. Unless you can't stand the f word, then you'll hate this. Oh, movie. then you will. You'll hate Walter. <laughs> um, There's a lot of them. Yeah, but dude, do you have to cuss so much? <laughs> yes. F are you talking about, man? <laughs> oh, your that, way. that final scene. So we can talk about that for a second. Yeah, there's you know. just an impressive uh, final scene that's just this long wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, this one take moment where they start with a bowler throwing a strike and they pull back to behind the bar and where Sam Elliott is hanging out again, our narrator, which is another funny thing that they do, right? They insert the narrator into the film itself. Uh, there's probably not a lot of films that, that do that. <laughs> yeah. They call him the stranger for whatever reason, the stranger. That's, yeah. Yeah, and I heard as an aside, I heard in the script itself that the description for the, the stranger is a man who looks not unlike Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. They were, they wanted they Sam had, Elliott. Okay. So That's they great. had him in mind. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I think that answers my earlier question. I love it. That's great. But we had this long moment where the dude walks over and he reconnects with the stranger and it's a decent scene, right? But then the stranger starts wrapping it up and he's like, well, that was an enjoyable moment. (laughs) And he goes on for some time. And then this is still all in one take and they start to drift up and you see the guy throw another strike or what looks like is going to be a strike. You see the contact of the the bowling ball and the pins and then we cut to black. It's an impressive scene, man. Yeah. Yeah. How long is it? It's like a good four or five minutes. Yeah. I would say it's a good four or five minutes. Yeah, That Mm -hmm. makes complete sense. And it's hard. I mean, I can imagine them saying, 
this is what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> the whole day. Our whole day is going to be getting this one shot. Yeah. We're going to crane from here to here and back to here. Yeah, right. Pull focus. But it's also a little bit easier. One thing they do is to make it easier on themselves. They have, whenever your your depth of field is that much deeper, instead of trying to pull these really shallow uh, shots where everything in the background is completely out of focus, have a deeper depth of field and your, your focus puller, the guy, uh, your first AC who's helping the, uh, the camera operator, he's going to have a much easier time pulling focus. Yeah. And so they know all the tricks too, to make it easier on themselves. The, the shots themselves aren't complicated. You start from one angle, you come down, then you go back to that angle. Like, yeah, yeah. let's not overcomplicated but you still have to have all these things clicking mm-hmm. the guy bowling strikes yeah just to me it's always so much pressure on that guy on pulling <laughs> that that strike that yeah. second strike like they could have had the scene perfect and you know as long as you got, you got close and there's like good mm-hmm. contact to yeah. make it look like there's a strike it's believable but like yeah you know what if he just totally missed well you got you know he's probably a professional bowler i would imagine yeah they probably you yeah, never know you want to drop a couple grand and get yeah, the right exactly guy. <laughs> it's true whatever 50 bucks right yeah. the, like free beer I'll, bro you know, yeah i get paid to, to bowl yeah let's but you it. made a really good point last night after we watched it and you said that uh really all you need is for that first strike to work and then right. after that if it's a strike then you continue the scene if it's not then reset we're gonna wait again and they might just roll, you know, two or three minutes. And the thing, they shot this on film. This is before the digital re- revolution. And so film cameras have about 11 minutes of runtime. That's how long you can get out of a film camera unless you oh. start working with these bigger film canisters, which introduces a whole other layer of complexity to your to your shoot. But if you're going to keep the sound and audio quiet, shoot on the regular magazine and if that scene is running, let's say four minutes, then you can afford to give this guy five minutes of strikes. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, and just keep rolling. Although it may not make sense, I guess, because the pins got to reset. You can just say stop and roll again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll work it out in post, right. but you made a great comment that just nail that first one. And then the rest of the take is a go get good contact on the last, the last, uh, strike quote unquote. And, yeah. And you're all right. Yeah. Now you can choose from all your best takes mm. that you just spent 10 hours getting. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It, I, 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 the acting is amazing in this film. I mean, I just feel like it's so real. I mean, yes, the writing is great, but if the, if the actors don't deliver it in a real way, it's, it's, it, the writing is so realistic that you've, you, it, all the pressure is on the actors and and not on the script essentially because the script is whatever you know it is it's a bunch of words that you know are tied together by a bunch of ums and uhs and and pauses and 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 you know jeff bridges is brilliant at it and uh and it shows especially at the end you know like and it's amazing because before that that's not a jeff bridges character type you yeah, don't what see do you do before this I mean, Tron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he has just a huge library. I couldn't even be yeah, able to tell right. you. I get you. But this is definitely not one of them, right? You're not saying, oh, yeah, we have a, a hippie. Let's grab Jeff Bridges to play it. <laughs> hmm. And so yeah. I love seeing 
great actors get an opportunity to showcase their talent because since then he's gone on to win a, uh, did he win best actor for crazy heart or did it? Yes, he did. He did. Right. Yes. Um, and which maybe felt like, I think Hollywood does that where they'll just say you've earned it. It's your time. The movie doesn't matter so much as we're just going to, this is more for your body of work because crazy heart was a great film, but, or a good film. I shouldn't say great, but it was a really good film. I don't know if it was, best picture winner worthy, but, yeah. uh, he was due yeah, for, for sure. something like this. And that kind of gets my goat that these kind of films don't get more Oscar attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a little bit of a pretentious, you know, I mean, occasion. yeah, it's gotta be like drama in order for that to happen. I mean, like look at Jeff Daniels mm-hmm. when he did dumb and dumber Yes, when they went and, and said, Hey, w- we want you in this film. He's like a comedy. He does. He'd never done comedy in his whole career before. Then he's like, I don't know how to. How would I do this? And until, until he got onto set, and he was just like, Okay, I'm just gonna mess up my hair, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then you know he was great. <laughs> so he's like brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And, um. So I love that he took a chance and did this. Nice. I think like a lot of the wardrobe was his. Like that. <laughs> no kidding. That weird like whitish brown. Uh, cardigan <laughs> jacket thing he wears that was his. That's the, awesome. Uh, that the clear gel sandals. Yeah, were his. Oh wow! Like a lot of that he just brought. And I love How that cool. opening hero shot of the dude in the supermarket. <laughs> oh, you have this, they're framing robe. him up, right? <laughs> really low, the slow push in, and he walks in. And he's got his there's robe a on. Man. Yeah, <laughs> there's a guy. Or yeah, there's a man sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And he's the the narrator's kind of losing his focus. <laughs> yeah, the it's dude so great. I who's love drinking so milk good. out of the carton in the middle of the half grocery and store. Half. Let's get this straight. This is not milk. This yeah. is heavy cream, yeah. half and half that he opens and smells. Or his white Russians. Yes. yes. And then he's pay, when he's writing the check, he's got a, a, a half and half mustache on his mustache. <laughs> Just what? Yeah. It's a brilliant set up to the tone of the film, right? It's yeah. like, we're not really taking anything serious and you probably shouldn't either. either. <laughs> so put away your pencil yeah. and your paper. Mm. Oh, awesome. So good. So do you have a recommendation for the week? So my, my recommendation, uh, is it's on Netflix, uh, and I'm rewatching it right now. 13th. Um, the documentary, the documentary 13th, Ooh. uh, it, it really spoke to me the first time I watched it, and this and the other day I was I was working out on my bike, and I I just put on put it back on, and I was like got sucked right back into it, and uh, it's just such a well. I mean, as documentaries go, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the best I've ever seen. It's just hmm. so so well done, um, uh, and informative, and like like eye opening, honestly. I completely agree with that. I've, as you know, I've studied that documentary relentlessly. Yeah. You Uh, love this director too. Yeah. I think she's incredible. Ava DuVernay. Um, she's just amazing. And I have literally gone frame by frame in some instances, just trying to pick out some of the ways that she's using cinematography to underscore the concepts that the, in the themes of the film itself, Mm. she's doing such an incredible job of inserting and blending these these two visual with the uh, esoteric and the the heady knowledge that she's imparting to you throughout the film. Um, there's just so many ways, and I'm actually working on a a longer blog post 
uh, about this film, kind of breaking it apart and comparing some of the interview setups and uh, stylistic choices that she makes throughout the film that yeah. help compel that narrative forward. Yeah, so I hope, great. I, didn't, I, hope I didn't take your recommendation Not at all. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a, a crazy coincidence. Yeah. What about you, Scott? Do you have a, uh, a reco? Um, well, sticking with documentaries, I've just started watching the Chef's Table documentary series oh, on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I'll just finished the third episode. And man, it's, it's really good. Um, just not only like who they're interviewing and what they're like, what restaurant and chef they're talking about, but like just the way the production is set up with the cinematography and the, the, um, the, um, the music and everything. It's just really, really well done. And I swear at the end of every episode, it's just like so inspired to like create and just yeah. to do something to create more than just food to cre- yeah. just create well, something. obviously food, but yes, but like, yeah, to like, to go be creative and be mm-hmm. positive and like try to make art. Awesome. You know, just make something. Yeah. That okay. is awesome. As cool. I sit in my room, <laughs> <laughs> but you create in your room, you have a, that's true. Music yeah. studio set up in your room. And, that's and you're, true. you're writing your play. We're still working on that. True. He's writing a play, by the way, everyone. Yeah. And it's and we've we've sat down and read it, and yeah. it is solid. Yeah. It is very I'm excited to see the completion and yes. the first run of it for sure. Cool. Yes, Me I too, can't man. wait to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No Hint. pressure. Hint. Yeah. We'll see. One day. Yeah. One day. It's only taken three years. Yeah, right. <laughs> Took taken And you wrote whatever. the music to it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's been brilliantly a long, done. Long thing. Yeah. But thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, I'm going to recommend something that most people have probably already seen, but it kicked off the Marvel revolution. Iron Man. The original. Uh, yeah. The very first the Iron first Man yeah, yeah. with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Of course, but Jeff Bridges playing opposite. So you finally get to see, I like the juxtaposition of this Jeff Bridges, the kind of laid back hippie with the tycoon rich businessman who's thirsty. Yeah. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with Iron Man. Cool. Also because it's pre-Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. I, need to, I need to go back and watch that again. It's right. excellent film. Oh, yeah. When he was, uh, he like, like uh, held captive and had, yeah. the, had to build that thing for, wow. Oh, yeah, I need to go. That's right. Yeah. That's been a while. I always like origin films. Yeah. You know, well, not always. Right, but, right, right. But on average. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, I don't necessarily mean origin of, of just superheroes. I mean, just like origin films of like anything in particular, you know, like origins. Oh yeah. (laughs) Not that. That's what I mean. Not all of them. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Nice. So next week, tune in, we're going to be doing sunshine. The Danny Boyle film. I can't wait for the, I, I, I've only seen it once with you and it was years ago. Yeah. And, and I've been wanting to see it again. Uh, and I've actually, I think I've asked you about it a couple of times, but it just, and you say, you're like, yeah, I, I have it. And I just, <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. just stayed 20 feet from me and I, I, I just haven't followed through to watch it. So I can't wait to, I can't wait to watch that again. Same here for a while. That was my favorite movie. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Do the whole song and dance, man. Pull us up in search. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. You got to uh, do a roundabout way, right? You really do. So I thought I'd read a couple more reviews. Um, appreciate you, KO Fit. Uh, excellent info and perspective. And Shadow Rocket, these guys are fun to listen to. I don't see movies and entertainment from the perspective of an actor, filmmaker, etc. 
So hearing this commentary, deep thought and banter is perfect. Looking forward to more. Shout out to Shadow Rocket, um, which is a great name. That's awesome. I feel yeah. like that's a motorcycle that you can ride into the night. Yeah, and right. No one sees you. you can get away with anything. And if you want to see the notes on this show, we're going to have as much info and cool stuff as we can. I'll dig up all the stuff that we've talked about and say, oh, yeah, you know what? That tidbit about Sam Elliott, was that true or not? And I will link you to the script. Um, so I'll, I'll find some cool stuff to throw into the show notes, which you can find at thepestlepodcast.com. Um, Scott, is there any way we can follow you online? I'll throw some of your info on the show notes as well. Um I I mean I'm on Instagram and Facebook sometimes if I'm I haven't deactivated it at the at the moment. Good. So. <laughs> I'll put you up then. I don't know. I'm on there somewhere. <laughs> awesome. And we'll end with a quote. Well, beforehand, okay. I, I want to say uh, I want to say thank you, Scott, for joining us. Yes, it's, yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for the suggestion. This has been awesome. Um, you guys check him out. He's uh, he plays guitar with the win- a band called The Wind and the Wave. Um, he's writing a play that is going to come out soon, and uh, he's just doing a lot of great things. So thanks, Scott, for joining us. And I also want to give a shout out to Wes. Uh, the, putting this podcast together is not an easy thing. Is a lot of time and a lot of effort that goes into it, and. I do nothing but show up and, and <laughs> watch movies and talk and everything else is this guy. Um, I, I still don't know how this stuff works. Uh, so shout out to that guy for, for making it happen. And yeah, so we're going to end it with a quote of the day uh, by Joel Cohen. If the material is challenging, it forces you to challenge yourself when handling it. I love that because personally yeah. as a filmmaker, I want to create challenging films. Yeah. And sometimes it gets uncomfortable for people and, uh, it's hard sometimes finding that line yeah. of am I doing too much or am I not? And so whenever I, I came across that quote, I was like, oh, God, I'm feeling that so hard right now. Yeah. Because I think, you know, to get off on a little bit of a, a quick rant, I'll make it quick. Sure. Um, I think film is great. Films, even like Lebowski, um, are great because they challenge you to think. If you want to sit here and watch and enjoy it for the quotes, you can. But if you want to try to pull out some extra meaning and thought, it's there. You're not going to get it in a lot of these other films. And as uh, film community, America has gotten lazy. We like our fast food. We like our we like our Whataburger and we like our which Whataburger is great. Don't get me wrong, but we like our McDonald's, right? We want it prepared, processed, so that your system has nothing to really to digest. It goes straight to your gut and not to your head. If you want the healthy stuff, then it does take challenging material that isn't always going to be obvious on his face. Go watch Children of Men and walk away from the movie and say you don't have questions. Mm. Um, so having films are more like, you know, steak. This isn't a movie. This is a, this is a film. This is a steak that takes time to prepare and you have to eat it right away and don't throw ketchup on it which was a previous intro joke that i made like <laughs> marvel movies are great but everyone i feel i feel like they're just throwing ketchup on everything yeah um and it's becomes this very bland sweet thing that i can't really get as much enjoyment out of as i can watching a coen brothers film yeah. um or an aronofsky movie like so i hope people will just think of films and 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 not be afraid to watch more complex films subtitles the, you know 13th is such a great example because it's it's a challenging film it's 
it's thoughtful and it's in your face a little bit, but it's, it's thorough um, and it's worthy. So I love challenging material because I love to challenge myself. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. And thorough. <laughs> and throw. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, until next time, uh, this is Todd. This is Wes. A- and Scott. <laughs> Go watch some movies, guys. <laughs>